I'm Chris Turner, and this is Tapestry's Empowered to Connect podcast. Greetings, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Tapestries and Power to Connect podcast. Joining me, as always, are Ryan and Kayla North. Hi, guys. Hey, Chris. Hello. We've received another listener email. This one comes from Tracy, who says, I love your podcast. Thank you, Tracy. She goes on to say, we are foster parents with a focus on toddlers and preschoolers. I've read The Connected Child and am on board with the concepts, but sometimes have a hard time figuring out what it looks like in real life with two to three-year-olds. They don't seem to understand compromise. They're simply not always able to use words. And I'd love to see an episode devoted to TBRI with kids under four. Well, Tracy, you're getting your wish because tonight that's what we're talking about. Easy. We may just say we have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) And then this will be like the 92nd episode. It's the shortest episode ever. (laughs) Not like the 92nd, like 92ND, but 90SEC. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to clarify. We got it. Yeah. I just want to be sure. Short episode. No. So we have kids who don't always have words, can't use words. How do we deal with with these TBR concepts in, in children under four? It can be done. Yes, can testify. <laughs> <laughs> um, we started with a lot of our kiddos when they were really young. Mm. Um, when we first started, we had a two-year-old, uh, and then we've had many two-year-olds <laughs> since then. <laughs> and, um, it's like we keep having two-year-olds. <laughs> seriously, we've had a lot of two-year-olds. Um, but I think one of the, the first things that I thought of when I read that question was, to start off with really simple things and not mm. try and implement everything. Cause mm. I think when you look at um, TBRI, if you've gone through the empowered to connect course, or if you have um, been to the conferences, you hear all these things and all these tools, there's so many tools that you can use mm. and you want to try and implement all of them, but not all of them are equally good for every age and stage. Right. right? Um, I think most of them can be used with any age and stage, but I think there are certain things like she mentioned compromises are hard. You can use them with some two-year-olds. It's going to depend on how verbal your two-year-old is. Mm. Um, But I think there's a lot of things that you can use um, proactively Mm -hmm. that you can use with two-year-olds, such as scripts. Mm. So um, in the connected child, I can't remember which chapter it is. You can look at, um, there's a list of like scripts you can do like, um, gentle and kind or use your words or use good words Mm. or, um, there's a lot of, and you can make up your own. You don't have to, there's, there's a bunch of them in the book, but I think you have to make up what works for you and your kids. And a script would just be a phrase that you use for a particular behavior or a particular maybe your child is whining about something and you want them to ask and you're just giving them the words to say, mm. or you are, if they're nonverbal, you're showing them what to do. Like sign languages. A lot of people use sign language with little ones that are nonverbal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're showing them the sign that they need and you're saying, remember, you know, and use the sign or whatever. So, um, I think scripts are a really good place to start in getting in just using those with your kids. I think another thing that's um, important to note is we're, we're dealing with an age group of kids. that's really, really hard. 
whether they have, you know, whether they come from trauma or have had adverse childhood experiences or have just had, you know, a really great pregnancy, a really great entry into the world, no early medical stuff, Mm -hmm. just really the best version of a childhood you can imagine. Because when you're two, you understand what you want to say at a higher level than your communication. That's right. why t- two-year-olds throw temper tantrums because they're, re- they're really frustrated because they can't get the words out because mm-hmm. they know what they want. They just don't know how to tell you. Right. And then, you know, as you progress through that, where we've got, you know, our youngest uh, turned five in September this year and she's at a difficult place because she is particularly, I think it gets, it's worse if you're the youngest in a family, mm. uh, especially a big family like ours because she has a 15-year-old brother and she just doesn't understand why she can't do the things her brother does. Right which she just gets really upset about. <laughs> so, um, you know, that whole age range that she's asking about here is, is a time of high frustration for a child in any case mm-hmm. because they can't say the things they want to say at the low end of it, but on the high end of it, they can't do the things they want to do right. because somebody's telling them they're not big enough, right? And that really, really bothers them. So I think that's where the, the sign language thing could really come into play mm-hmm. too. Cause you guys have a nonverbal child yes, and y'all taught her sign language. I, I've seen it in action and right. it's made a big difference in her being able to communicate what she wants and needs. Yeah, absolutely. And we've also used um, like pictures for her. So mm-hmm. when you have a child with special needs that, I mean, she may never have words. We don't, we're not sure she's mm-hmm. six years old, but she only has, Um, a couple of words that she uses on a regular basis, but we have some picture charts where she can point to them. And if I say, you know, which one do you want? Mm. And I and I point to each picture and I tell her what it is. She will point to the one that she wants. Mm. Um, And so we can use modified versions of that with younger kids. I think we ultimately, if they're going to be able to have words and they just don't have them yet, we Mm. want to try and encourage them to use words, but pointing to a picture or using sign language is way better than screaming and squealing and throwing Mm -hmm. a tantrum. Right. So we're going to ask them for what they can give us and then continue to raise the bar. So our daughter that's nonverbal, it used to just be, if she would sign, please, we would give her whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Cause please was a really easy sign for her. Well, we've raised the bar now and we make her use her pointer finger and she can actually Mm. use her pointer finger and I'll say, use your pointer. So she just slaps the paper. I say, no, use your pointer. And she will actually use her pointer and point with her pointer finger to what she wants. And so we've raised the bar just a little bit for her, but that's for her. That's as far as we can raise it. We're not expecting her to say Barney when she wants Barney, Right. right? I mean, so I think you have to know what your child is capable of and raise the bar accordingly and according to what they are capable of doing. Mm. And I think that some of the, the tools that, that we use with the kids when they're younger, particularly are choices, compromises and redos, mm. right? I think that, that that is, that's always got to be sort of those, those go-to tools when all else fails, choices, compromises and redos will work in almost any situation I can think of. Even if we don't necessarily call them those things because a three-year-old might not understand the concept of a compromise yeah, but the, or the word itself. So. But the three-year-old does understand the need for power, mm-hmm. right? Because that's part of the frustration is, is they have the sense that their world's out of control because they don't have any say in anything. Mm. And if you can give somebody who has no control a little bit of control, it really is empowering to them. And so, again, you know, Sharing the power proves that you have the power to share, mm-hmm. the, the famous Purvis quote. And it's true, though, because 
I can define the parameters as the adult. I can decide the, the size of the box we get to play in. Mm. And it's amazing what having an argument with a child about anything, pick anything. Kaylin and I could probably, we could play like lightning round of, give me an example of how you've used choices with children. I mean, you have choices at mealtime, you have choices when they get dressed, you have choices at bedtime, you have choices and everything in between. Because mm. we're going to bed. It's not a choice. <laughs> that's not a choice. And that's off the table. What is a choice, though, is whether you walk up the stairs or I carry you up the stairs. Mm-hmm. And because children, um, even when children are trying to push you away, there is some element of wanting you close. Right. Which is the, the hard part. And we probably need to convene like a panel of attachment experts and, and talk about attachment one night. But um, even when it appears as though they're pushing you away, there is that part of them that still desires the connection, right? So we find that 98% of the time, because we'll give two choices in a difficult situation, and one of them is always do it by yourself or do it with me, mm-hmm. even if we don't phrase it like that. And they always, and by always, 98% of the time, will pick the do it with me choice. Like our daughter, if you give her the choice between walking up the stairs and being carried up the stairs, she chooses being carried up the stairs every single time. Yeah. Right. If you then, honey, you need to put your pajamas on. Well, and I don't want to. I want to sleep in this. Well, you wore that all day, <laughs> so that's not what you're going to sleep in. So, um, so you can pick a shirt, or I can come and help you pick a sh- pick a, like uh, pajamas. And she'll say, oh, "Come help me." And we'll help her, or she'll bring them down. Or I can help you put your pajamas on, or you can do them yourself. And you know, most of the time, she'll pick the help option. She did tonight. Mm-hmm. At bedtime. So the choices thing, even if you don't, and like you said, even the kids don't completely understand the concept, they understand what's going on. Right. And making things visual for kids, um, we think there's really great value in that too, right? So we'll always give them two choices because you give them four choices. It's like eating at the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> While the food's delicious, you have to look at the menu the online, like, in, yeah, the, in the car on the way there. Because it's 20 pages long. And, yeah, like we yeah. have a friend who's really, really difficult uh, has a real difficult time picking stuff off a menu. And I remember the first time we had the Cheesecake Factory with them, we printed the menu out. And this is when, years ago, when the closest Cheesecake Factory to our house was like 30 minutes away. And we gave it to her when we picked them up for dinner and said, can you please, you can't talk to us, but you have to have picked your food out by the time we get there. Yes. Because it's overwhelming. Right, it is. So we're like, you have two choices. It's always an either or, and we'll hold up two fingers. And sometimes they will, they'll be so upset that they can't even tell you what they want, but they'll grab the finger that you used to indicate uh. the thing. So I think that's a really a good place to start with, with, with the younger kiddos is to give them choices because it gives them a lot of what they want mm-hmm. while getting what you want. Right. I think we also have to remember that, that it's, we talk a lot about correcting or behaviors and stuff. We also have to remember we have to keep empowering our kids and connecting with our kids. So if we empower our kids and we're really, um, mindful of the fact that our kids need to eat regularly, need water to drink. And that age, they tend to want juice all the time Mm -hmm. or milk all the time, but they need water too. And so I think um, just making sure that they're staying hydrated and making sure that they've got that snack every couple of hours will kind of help regulate them as well. Mm -hmm. And then also making sure we're doing a lot of connecting activities because that age really needs a lot of connection time. Um, I think every age does, but I think the little ones, they really, they're learning so much about how to re how to interact with people. Mm -hmm. And, and so they're trying to imitate and mimic. And so a lot of what 
they do as far as behavior wise comes from not knowing how to act and mm. not knowing how to do things. Right. And so they're sponges. They're soaking it up. They are. They're soaking everything yeah. up. And so we have to sit and we have to spend a lot of time, um, just showing them how to interact. And so if you're having trouble, uh, let's say with your two or three year old in a certain situation, you can make believe play. Cause it's that about the age they're starting to do some of that make believe play where they pick up the cups and they start to drink and have a pretend tea party or, mm. you know, pretend to wash in the sink or things like that. And so you can begin pretend playing through some scenes that they kind of like practicing outside the moment with them. Mm-hmm. You can pretend play some of the situations that make, that are really hard and give them the right things to do because they're soaking it all up. So you can do it in a playful way. And so you can have that connecting time with them while also teaching them a skill. So Kayla was talking about empowering and the kids want juice, but they need water. Right. So um, Dallas, Stacy, who is the audio engineer of this podcast, his wife is a dietitian mm-hmm. and sometimes um, gets invited to speak on local morning TV shows. And so I, I don't do that to embarrass them or anything, but other than to say that Dallas and I played in a charity golf tournament together a few months ago and his wife was on TV. And so we were sitting on the golf cart watching her on TV on his phone, waiting for the round to begin. So it was kind of a fun experience. But what she said, which I thought was really good, is because she brought up the same point, that kids want juice and they need water. Mm -hmm. So she said, hey, one time a day, just give them a glass of juice that's half full of juice and half full of water. Exactly. And everybody gets what they want. Mm -hmm. Because while we we, want to just go like DEFCON 1 and the kids, and we only drink water and stuff, at some point... That's a losing battle with the children, right? Because your empowering of the children is actually becoming a real relationship divider between you and the kids. Because mm-hmm. I, I think that we can all be pharisaical about what we, the following of the rules, but I think that at some point we have to use wisdom and experience and we have to become the world's leading experts in our kids. I know we say that a lot, but it's mm-hmm. true. We do need to. And know that some of my kids, when you tell them drinking water is better for your health than drinking juice, boom, they'll never drink juice again. Mm-hmm. That's it. We told one of our daughters she was having some some um, issues with her diet. We said, hey, why don't you try dairy-free? And she tried being dairy-free, and all of the issues like vanished almost immediately. And so mm. now she doesn't drink milk, doesn't mm. eat cheese. That's it. Um, she's just done with it. Mm. But not everybody's like that because then you have to know the kid who is just going to Gonna, his day's gonna unravel when you tell him nobody you can't have juice, you need water, yeah. especially if it's a toddler, mm-hmm. especially if it's a toddler, mm-hmm. or more to the point. I think it's valuable to note when we look at sort of the chronological age versus developmental age. When we've got eight and nine year olds in our house, they have the emotional um, abilities, development, and responses of a, of a toddler. Right. So, I think that's valuable for people to remember that when your eight year old is acting like a four year old. Don't respond to how you would an eight-year-old. Respond, respond how you would to a four-year-old mm-hmm. because that's what they need from you in that moment. And so um, Kayla buys these things at Trader Joe's. Um, Splinthrift, is that what they're called? Oh, yeah, the sparkling water. So they it's have a sparkling bit of water and it's like 5% juice or something. So there's mm-hmm. a little bit of a juice flavor. And, and I like them because they got the fizziness because I like the carbonation. Mm. Or we sometimes just will buy like flavored sparkling water. And the kids will drink that sometimes too because it gives them a little bit some a little bit different. And we've completely the the battle over hydration is just really down to zero at our house now right. because we've given them options that aren't problematic for them. I know when uh, our two two youngest were were younger, you know, we went through the, the same thing. 
you know, juice, you know, can I have juice, can I have juice, can I have juice? Well, the great thing about having sippy cups that aren't transparent is that as long as they see you pour some juice into the cup. <laughs> I have no idea how much you poured in. You can put a little splash in there and just fill the rest up with water. And you know what? They're, like you said earlier, Ryan, they're getting that little hit of of the sweetness of the juice, but most of it's water and, hey, problem solved. Well, and that's, yeah. how, we, that's how we do tea at the house here. If we, if we buy tea instead of making it, we'll buy a gallon of sweet and a gallon of unsweet and cut them in half and mm-hmm. just mix the two and then just put those containers in the fridge. Hmm. So the kids just, you know, think they're having they're just pouring the tea because that's what mercifully to them what sweet tea tastes like Mm. um for those of you who don't live in the south (laughs) sweet tea down here is like syrup right it's so So sweet sweet. um as comedian mark lowry once said i want my tea so sweet that i can pour it over pancakes (laughs) (laughs) with some places tea is that sweet (laughs) down here that's a really great analogy that is the truth i don't know we're talking about sweet tea all of a sudden (laughs) Um, I thought also something about when we're talking about connecting activities with your kids, there's a great book. Um, I love you rituals Mm. by Becky Bailey. And it just has a lot of ideas that you can do with this younger age too. Um, just sweet little nurturing activities, songs and, um, things. So we'll put that link to that in the show notes, but that's a good idea for connecting activities. Cause I think we get caught up in the, two, three, four, they can, it can be a really challenging age and we get Mm. really caught up in all the behaviors. And I think if we're pulling them close and we are redirecting, we can redirect a lot of behaviors, you know, just with a redo or a, Oh, let's try that again. And, and I think it's, I mean, obviously it's not as simple as I'm making it sound Mm -hmm. because I know that two and three and four year olds can be really, really challenging. There's a lot of time involved. There is. And, and every kid's going to be a little bit different too. Um, I will say we had um, one particular kiddo that was pretty challenging um, that was not quite two yet. And this particular kiddo just would sometimes just have these meltdowns that would last for 45 minutes to an hour. And mm. there was almost nothing you could do about it. And I was trying to use time ends with this child and it was only escalating her more and more and more Hmm. being close to me was almost too much for her. Hmm. And so what I found was if I would put her in her crib with some stuffed animals and give her just a few minutes, just where she didn't see anybody else around her, she actually could then re-engage and do better. And so I had been beating myself up because I was trying so hard to use time ends and stay with her and not leave her alone. And for that particular kiddo, she needed a few minutes by herself. Mm. And when I, when I learned that and kind of went, Oh, okay. So she needs that. And she feels safe in her crib. She feels safe in this. This is her safe place. And so I could put her in her crib I could give her a second. I could kind of take a breath myself because usually I was a little bit frustrated with whatever, you know, meltdown had ensued over something usually trivial. Right. And I could take a breath and then I could come back in with a smile on my face. And by that point she had a smile on her face and she was ready to go. Hmm. And so I think sometimes we get stuck in how do I implement some of these things? And we think there's one particular way to implement it. Right. And in reality, sometimes you have to be a little creative with it. Right. So, you know, the choices with the pictures instead of giving them words because they don't have words or a time in might not look like sitting with the child in your lap or beside you. Whereas some of my two year olds that we've had, 
I could put them in my lap and within a minute they were snuggled up to me. That particular one, it made so much, it made it so much worse to have her in my lap or Mm. even close to me. Yeah. And I think, I think that really speaks to this idea that you have to parent the kid that's in front of you, not parent the idea of the kid. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause sometimes we really get fixated on what we think kids should do. Right. In, in, what I really need to get fixated on is knowing what my kid is able to do. Managing expectations. Yes. Yeah. Manage expectations before they manage you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to remember what you just said about expectations because sometimes we get fixated on what we think our kids should be able to do. And again, if you're parenting a four-year-old with a trauma history, you shouldn't expect better behavior than you do from a two-year-old. Right. You know, I had a dad um, kind of... Um, complaining is maybe too strong, but kind of sharing some of his frustrations about his four-year-old son's behavior. And I said, well, you're just describing normal two-year-old behavior to me. And he said, nobody's four. <laughs> and he said, well, I hadn't really thought about it that way yeah. because most of us don't think about it that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. So we have to be re- reminded that, that we have to understand who our kids are, where they're coming from and what they're able to do. You should also ask, train your children to, um, we won't get into this very much, but you should also coach your kids on how to ask for compromises because there's nothing quite so fun as watching a two-year-old say, may I have a compromise? And watch adults go, <laughs> oh. I'm sorry, they said what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I remember several of our two-year-olds that they were probably two and a half-ish and they would learn to say compromise in whatever kind of weird compromise kind way. of way <laughs> right. they would say it, yeah. And, but they really got it. They really understood what it meant. You know, a lot of times I remember one time it was always a meltdown to get out of the bathtub because mm-hmm. they loved taking a bath. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, okay, we're going to try this idea of compromises, right? So we had taught them a compromise and what it looks like. And I'll never forget one of our two-year-olds. I'm like, okay, it's time to get out of the bathtub. Can I have a compromise? (laughs) I play for two more minutes. (laughs) And that was all it took. And I was like, absolutely. Set my little timer for two minutes and timer went off. Kid got out of the bathtub. Happy as could be. Hmm. Now it doesn't work that way every time. Right. right? I mean, that's, that's an ideal situation and it probably works like that 75% (laughs) of the time though. I mean, I will say it's, it's more than half the time that truly as long as they feel like they have a little bit of a say in it, even mm-hmm. for a two and three year old, they will use their words. And now I'll say when you have a wide span of ages, so we have preschooler to high schooler at our house. Mm-hmm. And when they're asking for a compromise, <laughs> the little ones always ask for like two minutes <laughs> and the older ones are like, stop, especially when it's 15, like they're watching minutes. <laughs> yeah. They're watching. Everybody's watching TV or everybody's having some sort of screen time. And, and I'm like, okay, everybody turn your screens off or whatever. And the littlest one will say, can I have a compromise? And they want two more minutes. And I'm like, absolutely. Everybody gets two more minutes, you know? And the older kids are just like, Oh, why didn't, and it doesn't take the older kids long to realize, cover the little one's mouth. Or well, yell her name really, really loudly. Yeah. Libby, Libby, Libby. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. Here. Yeah. So, and the little ones catch on too. And they're like, you know, our youngest one will be like, can I have a compromise? And then she'll go to big, big brother and she'll go, <laughs> What's the biggest number? <laughs> Can I have one million minutes? You know, 
<laughs> and we just crack she has for 64 million minutes. 64 million, yeah. Because she's trying to figure out what the biggest number is so she can ask for that because she finally realized. I know we're out of time, but I've got to tell another cute story. How about 6.4 minutes? We <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, Sounds close. Right. I know we're out of time here and you want to wrap it up, Chris, but I've got to share another cute story that has nothing to do with anything and it's a cute story. <laughs> so um, we went to the grocery store a few weeks ago and um, I'd taken a couple of the kids with me um, just because, well, I hadn't hated myself for any reason that day yet. <laughs> so I thought I'd take them with me to the grocery store. No, I'm like, hey, would it be helpful if I took some kids out of the house with me? And Kel's like, yes. So I took them. And our I fi- never say no to that. A five-year-old was one of, the, one of them. And so we're in the parking lot and um, there's a, a 12-passenger van parked next to us. And she says, Daddy, how much is a 12-passenger van? I said, no, probably about $25,000. And you're like, you used ones for about twenty two or so. So it's about $25,000, baby. And she said, um, do you have to have $25,000 before you can buy one? And I said, no, baby, I mean, you, can, you can borrow the money from the bank. And she's like, okay. And doesn't say anything. So we're driving home. <laughs> so I've, I've, lost my, I've lost my connection to this question. Right? And so one of the things my in-laws do is they will um, – I don't know when this changes, Kayla, but... At, I think at 18. At 18, right. So they'll put um, equal the number of whatever, how many years old you are, they'll put that many dollar bills in a card and mail mm. to the kids. So Libby just got $5 from my in-laws like a couple of weeks before the story. And she says, I'll never have $25. About five minutes later, we're mm. almost home. So I've lost the connection to 25000 right? Right. I'll never have $25. And I said, well, baby... That's not true. I mean, why would you not have 20? No, she goes, I'll just never have $25. And I said, but baby, why do you want $25? And she said, well, I need $25 to, to buy the 12 passenger van for myself. Me and my two kids I'll have one day, she says. (laughs) And I said, okay, no, baby, you don't need, you don't need $25. You need $25,000. And without missing a blink, she goes, how many birthdays will that have to be for me <laughs> for grandpa and grand grand to give me $25,000? I'm like, I just started laughing because <laughs> I was, I was like having an adorable seizure. <laughs> like how many birthdays do I need to have for them to give me $25,000? <laughs> well, that's a good example of the kind of thinking that our parents have to deal with, <laughs> with compromises and redos. And <laughs> Goodness gracious. The 64 million minute girl. That's right. 64 yes. million minutes. That's right. Well, guys, thanks so much for being on. And hopefully, Tracy, we gave you some pointers and examples that you could put into practice there in your own home. And if anyone else has questions for us, feel free to shoot them our way at tapestry at irvingbible.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tapestry IBC. You can subscribe to this podcast at iTunes or on the Google Play Store. Just search for Tapestry Adoption Podcast. If you've enjoyed and gotten value from any of our episodes, we would appreciate a review in either location. Empowered to Connect is the training and support community of Tapestry, the adoption and foster care ministry of Irving Bible Church in Irving, Texas. You can check the show notes for relevant links from this episode and find more resources on our website, empoweredtoconnect.org. Thanks for listening.